0: I think the left just needs to start doing more conspiracy theories. We're just not competing in this space. We're not
1: having fun with it. We're not having enough fun with it.
0: Yes. Because the conspiracy theories, like when you go onto those online forums, it is a yes and community. They are saying yes to each other and they are building such great energy.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, we are not go- <laughs> having enough fun with him.
0: Like, if you go on to the conspiracy Reddit, what it is, it's just pitches. Like, <laughs> spaghetti on the wall pitches so, of, like, what do you think about this?
1: Like, I noticed that the incisors were, like, a little sharp. Like, a little sharp on Ronald McDonald. Just throwing this out there. He's a reptilian. And then... Ninety percent of the people are gonna be like, "Hell, yes!"
0: You get banned for not yes ending.
1: <laughs> it's like actually he is a reptilian, and you know who else is Wendy from Wendy's.
0: We're wasting this on each other right now, Jessica. <laughs> well, Jessica
2: and Zach from the day they were born started watching comedy because
0: it was on. She was a golden girl. He had Seinfeld on the brain. They said a nine-year-old Frasier fan might just be insane. Harry and the Hendersons, Mindy and Mark. Now Jessica and Zach get together and talk. They'll never say the sitcom's glory days are gone. They'll still watch it because it was on. Because it was on.
2: Because it was on, because it was on, because it was on. on. Is it too early to set up a Patreon? And I'll call it because it was
0: on, Because
2: because it was on, because it was on, because it was on, because it was on. What is my gender, mom? is my gender your gender is get a job that's your gender you think i make becky put on makeup and wear perfume no no she doesn't because she's always liked that kind of stuff that's the kind of woman she wants to be That when they're asking all the time, what is a woman? I'll tell you what a woman is. A woman is me. Um, because it teaches children that you know they don't have to have any morals, and as long as they have guns and are bullies, that they'll win. And I don't think that's a good message. Gorgeous little tiny baby deer in my yard, eating the grass. 15 of law, I'm just a smithereens What does it mean? What does it mean? I do say that I am for the return of the guillotine, and um, that, that is for the worst of the worst of the guilty. Pretty exciting, I'll tell you that much. That uh, I they, they they said uh hold please for the President of the United States of America.
0: What does it mean? What does it mean?
2: I first would allow the guilty bankers to pay you know the ability to pay back anything over one hundred million personal wealth. Because that's why you have conversation, so that you can synthesize your ideas and come up with a solution. And I'm tired of no solutions, Sean. That's why I like Trump, because I think he's a solution. You yeah. have. What does it mean? What does it mean? Oh, the dream. Live on that amount, then they should, you know, go to the edu- re-education camps, and if that doesn't help, then be beheaded.
1: Hello and welcome to Because It Was On, the fancy film podcast, but for people who like to talk about that episode of Malcolm in the Middle, where Hal attempts to take the family's old couch to the dump, but accidentally loses it on the trip and causes a train accident that screws up the entire town. I'm Jessica, and the cool kids at school invited me to sit at their lunch table because I have the coolest slap bracelet. So now I'm going to change my entire wardrobe and treat my nerdy friends like subhumans.
0: And I'm Zach, and I snuck into my boss's private bathroom to access her three-ply toilet paper. But now she's been having an argument with her wife outside the bathroom for four hours, and I can't sneak back out until they leave.
1: Wow, what a conundrum.
0: Fortunately, I brought my podcasting equipment into the bathroom, so I'm ready to go.
1: Yes, yes, the acoustics are beautiful. Zach, so... If our listeners have not guessed it by now, based on our super slick intro, we are talking today about Roseanne. And I think we have a very specific thing we're trying to get at when we're talking about Roseanne. So why don't you do our big reveal of what we're talking about today?
0: The rise and fall of Roseanne and basically the contradiction of how Roseanne built her entire public persona on being a progressive, even sort of left of, I would say, like mainstream Democrats during her time. This like working class icon of progressive politics. And then yada, yada, yada. Last week, she came out with a stand-up special on Fox Nation where she has just fully disavowed that entire persona and she is now basically the exact opposite of where she started she is a conservative icon and is more than happy to be an entertainer that builds her public persona on conservative politics and conservative pandering
1: yeah exactly i think at the core of it what we're trying to answer is what the hell happened to roseanne and i think it's an important question for a couple of reasons. One, maybe it can shed some light onto some of the cultural forces at play in broader society. But that, you know, Zach and I, that's a big ask for the two of us. So to to turn it into something a little bit closer to home, it's an important thing to us because Roseanne really was a foundational text in the lives of both of us. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, Roseanne, I don't think is my favorite sitcom, but it is probably the most important sitcom as far as like influencing me as a person. For me, Roseanne, more than any other sitcom, can pull so much nostalgia out of me. It's this unique show that shows like a working class poor family. It shows like the parents like really struggling and dealing with how are they gonna feed their kids and keep a roof over their heads. And it just rung so true to like my own personal life. I watched Roseanne at first inside a house that looked a lot like Roseanne's house. Roseanne reminded me a lot of my mom. And I think growing up, it taught me to understand what my mom was going through, like being a mother trying to keep things together as a kid I was watching Roseanne and it it, literally it taught me empathy for my mother at a very early age
1: I think it's really sweet actually that that show could have such like a personal impact on your life in that way I'll say for me Roseanne's always a show I loved and I agree with you completely in saying that is it my all-time favorite sitcom Maybe not. There's probably a point in time where I may have said yes, but all things considered, I don't know if I can, but it has been an instrumental sitcom in terms of turning me into who I am. And I think in maybe like a slightly different way than how it impacted you. So for me, I don't think I necessarily resonated with the Connors in the same way in terms of that sort of day-to-day struggle for uh, economic survival. But what I could recognize very, very much is that Roseanne was put into a situation where she had to do the best with what she had, and she was constantly sort of fighting against the forces that pushed her into this position in a lot of ways her identity in the show is really that of like somebody who's speaking truth to power and somebody who's calling out bullshit and that really resonated with me and i really feel like that spirit and that element of the show informed a lot of who i was as an early age and i credit a lot of it from watching hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of roseanne when nick and night used to do just those like back to back to back for like seven hours in a row And I consumed all of it over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, I think Roseanne benefited a lot because I think Nick and Night kicked on just a little bit before my bedtime. And so Roseanne was always what they started the block with, I believe, for many years. Well, (laughs) And then
1: also like once I got to right around high school age in the summers, it would come on and it would go the whole night and I'd watch it the whole night because... I'm 16, baby, no bedtime and no social life. And so I watched Roseanne all (laughs) fucking night. I remember so specifically, so specifically, and this was a little bit earlier. This was like junior high age. I have like the most vivid memory in my life of coming home from like a school dance. And I went into the kitchen. I made myself a fat peanut butter sandwich. I got myself two Pepsis. Cracked him open, poured him into a big old cup with ice, went down into the basement, sat on the the floor three feet away from the TV, and just watched Roseanne for like seven hours. And it's like one of those like fond, happy place memories.
0: So Roseanne was super important to both of us. We... We're paying attention to Roseanne the entire time. I remember as Roseanne like ran for the green party or like when Roseanne's nuts came on, which was like her reality show where she was on a macadamia yeah. farm ran on uh,
1: Lifetime.
0: A we watched pretty it. Pretty closely. We so we watched like her down six downfall,
1: people that watched Roseanne's nuts closely,
0: which is a tragedy because it is one of the best series <laughs> of television. Wild.
1: Do you think if more people had watched Roseanne's nuts, that she might not have gone off the deep end.
0: We're going to have to put that in the theories category, Jessica, because I have a lot to say about <laughs> Roseanne's nuts.
1: <laughs> I can't wait because maybe, maybe we're the bad guys here.
0: Could be. Yeah, we failed her. We she failed put her. out, she was like a fucking genius that put out the best series of television <laughs> that's ever been made. And America did not take heed to it. And so she's she's like Hitler not getting into art school or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs>
1: Those are the takes that you come to because it was on for. Yeah. Is Roseanne Hitler? Question mark.
0: Maybe. <laughs> but uh, before we can get there, we're going to structure the show where we will talk um, about the original run. Then we are going to compare it to season 10, like the reboot season. And then we're going to talk about like the context and everything. And then we are finally going, once we have all of that laid out, going to talk about what the fuck happened to Roseanne.
1: I think we definitely start by talking about what those early seasons look like and what they tell us. Because I think, Zach, you and I both kind of going into this episode, one of the theories that I think was kind of dangling over both of our heads is that maybe we are misremembering Roseanne. Maybe this idea of the show itself as like this progressive text isn't actually there. And like watching it, we will see with fresh eyes that like this is not actually a progressive show. And she's been mislabeled all along. And this has been Roseanne has been this all along. And so I think it's important to go back to the original text because upon rewatching it, there's just no way for me that that holds water.
0: It was my first instinct as well. Am I looking at Roseanne through rose colored glasses? And so when we rewatched it, no, this was a show with a very clear idea of what it wanted to put out into the world. And there are things that you can criticize about it. And we will talk about that. But it was very clear that the show wanted to be a progressive show and that the writers of it had a progressive intention.
1: And I think what's fundamental to note about that as well is that Roseanne fought for that control on that Mm -hmm. show to create these messages i think that's really really important as well as context when we're going in and we're talking about roseanne yeah zach briefly before we jump into the show can i give like a tiny little baby bio about roseanne
0: yeah jessica you have read like the biography
1: i read roseanne's first autobiography roseanne My Life as a Woman, which I believe came out in 1989. So like fresh off the heels of the first season of Roseanne is when this particular autobiography was published. So I do know some little snippy, snip, snips of her life. Let me share them with you. The ones that I think are relevant to this particular discussion. So a couple of things to note. She grew up in Salt Lake City. So she was born and raised in Salt Lake City in the 1950s. And what's notable about that is if anybody knows anything about Salt Lake City, probably the number one thing you know about it is that it is Utah as a state and Salt Lake City specifically are a notable place where lots and lots and lots of Mormons live. And so it is a pretty homogenous population, especially at that time of Mormon people and here is Roseanne born into that environment as a young Jewish girl and so off the bat she was different and she has many 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 examples about growing up in that environment where her family did encounter a lot of hate from the people around them it was not a particularly tolerant society and I think one specific thing to note about Her grandmother through all of this taught Roseanne that the most important thing that you should do when you are facing adversity in this way is to fight back loudly, to be the loudest and the strongest opinion in the room that fights back against hate. So she has multiple stories in the book about how on a radio show, somebody would say something anti-Semitic and the grandma would immediately call and immediately dress down those people who were saying those things. One thing to note. When she was a young teenager, she was walking to school, crossing the street, and she was hit by a car. And this car accident was so severe that the car's hood ornament was lodged in her brain. It was lodged into her frontal lobe. This is a very, very serious accident. And Roseanne herself has said she was never the same after this accident occurred. And she has suffered a lot of issues and a lot of problems mentally and physically from this accident even still today and so she spent I think a whole entire year I want to say in psychiatric treatment like inpatient psychiatric treatment after that accident so it had this huge impact on her life after that she graduated from high school and she ended up moving to Colorado and in Colorado is where a lot of really big things start to happen for Roseanne Uh, personally she meets her husband she gets married she has children she starts to become a mother And how she gets her start in comedy is she's actually working at a Bennigan's and behind the bar at Bennigan's, she's fucking funny. They start saying, okay, well, you should also like go to some open mic nights at the local Denver funny chuckle hut or whatever the fuck it's called there. She gets picked up by some comedians who recognize her. And they say, what you really need to do is you need to go to LA and you need to go to the comedy store. She ends up on the tonight show. uh, And from there she gets her own special. This is where like the the character of the domestic goddess really starts to solidify. And she starts to get a foothold and some recognition with that brand. At the exact same time, there is a sitcom being developed at ABC called Life and Other Stuff by Matt Williams. And so she comes in, she says, yep, I'll do it. But you have to change the name of the series to Roseanne. Um, That's what happens. And this is how we get the television show Roseanne in 1988.
0: They were doing something new with Roseanne that I think is interesting. It was not the first show, of course, that depicted working class people. What would you say is like the thing that Roseanne did first or like did I have an
1: idea on this? Mm -hmm. I think there's two streams that connect when it comes to Roseanne. Right. So Roseanne is not the first show about working class people. We had lots. You have all in the family. You have Chico in the man. You have many, 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 many shows about the working class nor is roseanne the first show that is like a major network television sitcom that is led by a female comedian not the first there either you have mary tyler moore already who's done this rota you know spin-offs of mary tyler moore
0: mm-hmm.
1: roseanne i would say is if not the first i would say the first major one of a of the two things combined it's a working class woman leading a sitcom about the sort of life and struggle of a working-class mother. This, I feel like, was new and unique in a different type of voice on network television at that point in time. To be fair, like, there are other shows that I think kind of did it first. Like, you have Alice Laverne and Shirley also as two women who are working at a beer factory. So I'm not necessarily saying that, like, Roseanne is absolutely the first working-class woman to headline a network comedy. No, she's not. But I do think it is the first one where it's like the major facets of this television show are that she is a white working class woman trying to make it. And I think that was a unique perspective to take where like that is the central thrust of the show.
0: Right. There are other shows that uh, may fit the bill on paper, but Roseanne was so interested in talking about these issues. Exactly. Uh, and like planting their flag on this is what this show is about. What are the ways that uh, you see progressive politics in the show?
1: I think there are countless ways that we could probably answer that. But for me, I really think the progressive politics show up in three main buckets. One is as as it relates to class. So there are multiple episodes that engage specifically with the topic of class. How does sort of this white working class family navigate this world and try to make ends meet. So I think that's one. The second one is around gender. There are a lot of Roseanne episodes that specifically deal with what it is like to be a woman in the world and specifically deal with issues and problems that are mostly felt or impacted or experienced by women. And then lastly, we have sexuality and we'll talk about it, but Roseanne was far and away, one of the only shows at this time period that it was airing to openly discuss sexuality, to have more than one gay character on the show, and to explore these ideas um, very aggressively in a way that is like telling the message of like, we are like a pro-LGBT television show, and like, you need to accept it. So I would say those are the three main buckets. I think we start with class, because... Right off the bat in season one, we have class stuff just really getting deep there. So I think we start there. And Zach, I'm curious, like what, what threads do you pull out or you remember as we're talking about Roseanne and class?
0: So it's hard to separate the first two buckets that you talked about in Roseanne, because again, like we said there, the innovation of this show was that it was often very linked up. But one of the main plot lines in the first season is this very like Norma Ray style plot line where Roseanne works at a plastics factory. in well
1: plastics baby. Yeah.
0: And so the new manager of the factory, he keeps upping the quotas unreasonably putting a lot of pressure on them. And it's very uh, like, it's a very conscious show. They talk about how, um, this manager is trying to like enrich himself or make himself look well off of the labor of us. He'd
2: fire us for not making eight thousand. We gotta put a contract out on this guy, right? or we gotta send somebody up to the front office and complain to Mister Wellman. What for? Hey, Wellman doesn't set the quotas. Faber does. I used to send him when I was there. Oh, it's so unfair! That scumbucket. So we're killing ourselves so he can look good? It's so unfair.
0: And she even like stages a walkout in the season finale uh, where Fred Thompson, he ran for president once, the actor Fred Thompson, um, but he plays the manager of this factory. And uh, he has like this intense argument with Roseanne where he has her choose between swallowing her pride and being humiliated Mm by getting to keep her job or, um, or she has to walk away, and she chooses to walk away, and all of these co-workers also walk out.
2: What the hell do you think you're doing? We had a deal. The operative word here, Roseanne, is head. Yeah, I know who you are. I know who you are, and if you didn't have this job, you'd be in an alley. You sound angry, Roseanne. You told me if I told the line that you'd drop the quotas. Why are you doing this? Because I can. No, you can't. I did. And when I broke you, I knew you were just like the rest of them. And you'll stay, and you'll do your 8,000, and so will your loser friends, or they're gone. Well, this ain't the way you motivate people, and you know what? Any manager would know that. And you are a lot of things, but you ain't no manager. Sweetheart, you just bought yourself a bunch of trouble. No, sweetheart, you did. Hey, I'm not done with you. Don't you walk away when I'm talking to you. You okay, sis? No, I'm not okay. I mean, I tried to be okay, but he doesn't want me to be okay. He doesn't want any of us to be okay. You know why? Because he's not okay. Okay? Roseanne, I told you not to walk away from me. I'm walking away from you, Faber, and I'm walking away from the stinking factory, and I'm walking away from this lousy job.
0: And then in the next season, we see the consequences of that, where it's a show that's actually really hard to watch season two, because it is this Roseanne goes to this like job like season of like being humiliated with all these jobs. She has like a teenager as a boss in a fast food fried chicken restaurant.
2: Now you're firing me over this weekend thing, right? I mean, you're really firing me.
0: Hey, I'm sorry.
2: You're sorry? You're gonna be sorry because I'm the best worker you've got down there.
0: No, you're fast, but your attitude stinks.
2: Well, something stinks in here, Bri, but it ain't my attitude. (laughs) Listen, kid. I need that job, and I hate like hell that I do, but I need it. And I'm not working there because I don't have enough allowance. I'm paying a mortgage and putting food on the table and buying clothes for three kids. I don't think you even understand that. I don't think you understand anything. You're not uh, grown up enough yet to understand that your life doesn't always turn out the way you plan it to be. And sometimes you end up doing stuff that you thought you'd never do in a million years, but you still have to do it because there's nothing else you can do. Yeah, she
0: um, is humiliated, and like we really do see her like break down and be ashamed of the fact that she is a shampoo girl at a hair salon. All kinds of things.
1: It's the transition, I think, reflective of like American society at that point in time, away from manufacturing. Right. This is the mm-hmm. era where the last of the manufacturing jobs really do start to disappear. And I do think that there was a a point of pride sort of amongst the um, amongst the people who worked those jobs. It's like I build something, I make something, I you know I make America great in this way. And mm-hmm. those jobs go away, and all of a sudden, a lot of those people are transitioned into the service industry, which is like considered you know bottom rung of the like job ladder. And so a lot of people reconciling with what that actually means for them.
0: It was interesting to watch that as a millennial, that season where she's struggling with assimilation because that's just the normal for working class people. now if you're working class, you're working a service industry job. You're lucky if you have a manufacturing job, because those tend to be unionized, or they tend to pay a bit better.
1: Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. It's a, the chasm is only widened between those two types of jobs recently. But I feel like the factory episode where Roseanne walks out is so interesting to talk about. And like I feel like we could do a whole episode all on its own. So the Mm -hmm. episode Zach is specifically referring to is season one, episode 23. Let's call it quits. And I feel like what is so interesting about this is the odd tightrope that the show walks with this episode. Because if you think about it, right, what happens here is that Roseanne and all her friends agree that this guy is ridiculous. They agree that his quotas are too high. They agree on all of these things. And so what we could have had, what we were so close to having is a conversation about like organized labor and potentially like the idea of, sort of union busting that would have been going on at that time. But that's not what we get. Yes. What we get is Roseanne saying, you're no manager for the boss.
0: Yeah. Oh. And then
1: walking away.
0: That line drove me crazy. You're absolutely right. In that episode, they take great pains to focus this on a question of personnel, of, um, good managers versus bad managers, where, yeah. versus any kind of structural critique. It's a network TV show, I'm assuming is the reason that y- you can't be too political or have like a call to action on this kind of thing, um, is my guess. And so this is the line that they walked, they never encourage any kind of activity. It's actually quite foolish if you have that much discontent within a workplace and you have that many people willing to do a walkout, then you also have a lot of people willing to unionize. So maybe that's what you should have done. (laughs) Very frustrating, but they don't do that. They just do the walkout.
1: Exactly. It's, it's all whittled down to like personal decisions and personal responsibility. And like the, the message that we end up with is not a policy prescription around changes in the workplace especially around their harassment that this man deals them because we have barely scraped that surface because he casually sexually harasses these women constantly mm-hmm. uh, he compares roseanne to a cow within the episode he refers to all of the women as girls throughout the course of the episode in a very demeaning way so there's no policy prescription here on how to deal with the blatant abuse and harassment that's going on in the workplace The message is personal ownership for confronting assholes in power.
0: Right. Um, You have to just personally decide if you're going to be a Roseanne and stand up for yourself.
1: What strikes me so much about not just the conversation with class, but I think you see it most with class, it's tough to have these conversations about Roseanne in class because there's actually very few episodes where it's like, this is the class episode as Mm -hmm. opposed to it being so like deftly woven throughout the fabric of the show there are bits within almost every episode that tell you without being heavy-handed the the situation that they're in and the the class struggle that they are experiencing the first episode is a great example of this when they're trying to determine how to pay their bills and Roseanne doesn't have they don't have enough money to pay all of their bills right and so they decide like well what you can do is you can send the gas check to the electric company and the check for the electric company to the water company and she has this whole ruse in this whole system.
2: You know? <laughs> if we're real careful with this $500, yeah. We can just about pay everything up and that'll leave us with $11.87. You're kidding. Read it and weep 11.87. Well, at uh. least I can go out to dinner. <laughs> uh damn i was hoping we'd have a little extra money to play around with well do you want extra money because you know i have my own system for extra money all right <laughs> okay first we send in the phone bill and we forget to sign the check there you go <laughs> then we send the water bill to the electric company electric bill to the water company now you're cooking and you know that charge card bill it never even showed up <laughs> That's illegal. Well, we could call them up and tell them that the card got ripped off. Roseanne, we got to get back to reality here. These bills aren't going to go away. we got to be responsible. Why? Because for once, we finally got a chance to get caught up. Well, you never cared about catching up before, Mr. 1-800-Rush-Me-My-Amazing-New-Handy-Wrench. But this
1: episode is about other things, right? It's a pilot episode and it's designed to do other things. And yet we have this moment to remind everyone about the struggles that they are experiencing.
0: I think it's such a good test for whether or not a sitcom is a quality sitcom, like a good sitcom. If, like, is to ask yourself, could this episode, with minimum alterations, be done in another? sitcom if you just change the names and whatnot yeah. and Roseanne there are so many episodes of Roseanne most episodes of Roseanne could only be in a Roseanne episode yes. because of its unique perspective on like class and like focusing on people mm-hmm. that are busted ass broke so it's just so good in that way and there's class dialogue throughout the show. And it certainly changes at one point their business owners. But we also
1: see that struggle there and the sacrifice there, especially when we're talking about Dan's business, right? And the way Roseanne gives up so much to support Dan's dream in a shop that ultimately fails.
0: Yeah. The episode where Becky gets into a school that ultimately she cannot afford, fucking heartbreaking Um, as she is like, Realizing that she had been planning on getting out by going to college. And she and worked the...
1: so hard. Like, Becky was the smart one, right? Yeah. That was her whole thing. And she was the kid who they put the chips on to be like, you're, you're getting out. Like, this was riding on you. You're the smart one. You're the straight A one. You're the perfect child.
0: And she did everything right. But she made the mistake of being born to poor parents and she wasn't able to go to college. <sighs>
1: out of myself and you still can't yeah going to night school working at the buy and bag i'm gonna wind up just like you
2: hey hey dan you apologize for that no your mother busted her butt for you and hey she deserves i a busted of... my
1: butt so i could get into good school how come you never told me there was no way
2: oh we purposefully went broke so that you couldn't go to the college of your choice well you should have told me i was on my
0: own rough hard to watch hard to watch and Roseanne will do that to you they are not afraid to like show the grim reality of their situation in a way that other shows would shy away from
1: yeah completely and like it's just a unique television show in the sense that like the bad guys are always rich people it's always Mm -hmm. corporations it's always politicians these people who who run the system that does not work for Roseanne and does not work for Roseanne's family family
0: ever yeah there is one episode where they're comfortable talking about electoral politics um where do you know what i'm talking about the one with the politician where the politician
1: is going door to door and she kind of tells him what for
0: yeah this is like exhibit a of what the fuck happened because (laughs) it's apropos of nothing it's just someone just had something to say that day in the writer's room and so they wrote a scene where roseanne answers the door It's a state representative that is doing a little bit of shoe leather politics and is getting out there and meeting people. And it's just literally this like dialogue where it's clearly a Republican with like trickle down economics theory, like saying we're going to cut taxes to bring them back. And we're also going to like undermine unions because that drives job creators away. And then Roseanne has all of these like comebacks for it. Um, And she has, like, no patience for this, like, oh, you're cutting taxes for the rich so that businesses come in. But who's going to pay those taxes? It's going to be me. You know, on point, (laughs) no lies detected. But uh, yeah, you cannot argue that this show was not from the roots up a progressive-minded show on most topics.
1: (laughs) Amen. And so I think we've really demonstrated glass here. And I think one thing that, really stuck out to me from that conversation is you saying they're not afraid to show the grim realities of living in a working class family. And I think there's, there is something to be said similarly for, they are not afraid to show the grim realities of living as a woman. And when I say that, what I'm specifically talking about, and I will add a quick note here, um, I'm going to talk about domestic violence here. If that is something you cannot handle, not something you want to hear about, skip ahead. Go ahead and skip ahead, or we'll see in the next one that, that's completely fine. But I am going to talk about domestic violence for a second. And so what I'm specifically talking about when it comes to displaying gender politics and and what it is like to live the grim realities of a woman, you have a, a series of episodes, a, a two-part episode, where Jackie is dating this man, Fisher, and, um, ultimately what happens is Fisher hits Jackie and we discover this.
2: Come here. What? Darlene says your back's all bruised up. No, it's nothing. Well, then let me see. No, don't. Come, Come on, go!. Darlene, you get out of here. What's going on? Now, Darlene.
1: Look, I'm all right. So don't go blowing this up into something.
2: It's not okay. What happened? Nothing. Let's go eat. No, we're not going to go anywhere. Why don't you tell me how you back that I told like you that. I'm okay. You come over here. Your back is all bruised up. You won't tell me nothing about it. How do I know if you didn't get raped or mugged or something? Does Fisher know about this? Why, why can't you just drop it? That son of a. You don't understand. He beat the crap. No, he didn't. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. What are you saying? He hit you. It's not like he forgot your birthday. We had an argument this afternoon and he pushed me a couple times. Not Fisher's fault. Then whose fault is it? I I can't believe that you're You're saying it! You don't even listen to me. He said he was sorry and and it would never happen again. Damn, Jackie, you were a cop. You heard the same crap a million times Now you have thrown it out on me. How could you let this happen to you? Shut up!
1: You don't know the whole story. He's been under a lot of pressure lately. There's no work. And I told him that he should look for a job at a bigger company. And he told me that I didn't
2: believe in him. And he told me a million times when he gets in a mood like that that I should just walk away. And I didn't. I just kept pushing him and pushing him. Don't say anymore.
1: And why I think this is interesting, is Roseanne the first sitcom to ever discuss gender violence no of course not there have been other episodes and the very special episode is not something new but here's where it differs a lot of series the stakes of the very special episode are mitigated because we're bringing on a character to teach us the lesson they come on we don't know them they're new to the episode they're there to teach us about topic topic of the week and then they're gone after that. And so it's very few and far between. Uh, maybe facts of life is another one that stands out in my mind where the, um, the person who's experiencing the thing that we're talking about for that week is a core central person to the cast. And so that's one thing that sticks out to me. We're, we're not shying away from the reality that this is something happening to Jackie, a character we love. And who we have learned in the past is not necessarily a complete pushover, right? And then the other thing I will say about it is that um, Fisher is the boyfriend who does this to her. Up until this point in the show, everyone loves Fisher. He's a nice guy. He's a great guy. Nobody's got a bad word to say about him. And I think that's just a genius long-term game here to play with this particular character but so definitely shows the pretty much exact reality to how this functions, how abuse, domestic violence functions as something that happens behind the closed doors. And so I wanted to call that particular episode or set of episodes out as something that Roseanne did really well from a sitcom perspective to show what is happening
0: to women. Yeah. I... Well, add on top of that, just because class and gender are so linked together in Roseanne, as we said, that one of the things that I think that Roseanne was unique in doing, or at least it's very rare to see this kind of depiction of domestic violence that shows um, the sort of economic coercion that can go into staying with an abuser. Often people, especially like Lifetime, when they tend to depict this, especially like classic 90s Lifetime, it's these are all upper class women. Uh, I think it's like a respectability politics thing. A lot of the times you don't want to stigmatize domestic violence, but you sort of erase the very serious aspect of like when you are working class and like you are living pay to paycheck to paycheck.
1: Amen.
0: um, The question of, if I separate from this man, how the fuck am I going to pay rent? What am I next gonna month? do?
1: And Jackie says this. Jackie says, where am I gonna go? What was I supposed to do, Roseanne?
0: Yeah. So they show her worried about like how the hell am I going to like support myself in this way, which is like a huge concern and a huge reason that is often ignored in television for why people can be coerced and staying with abusers.
1: Yeah. And one more thing I want to say about it before I say all the other great things that Roseanne did around gender. Can we just say absolute daddy moment for Dan in this
2: episode? Oh my God, you didn't kill him and then go buy chicken, did you? No, I bought the chicken first. I thought you were just going to go over there and scare him. Well, it started out that way. what do he say? Well, if I remember correctly, ouch, ouch my head. <laughs> Something along those lines.
0: Oof. Ah. Oof. Yes. Uh
1: love it. Let's let's dish it.
0: The what does way you do. That scene where like Dan is like, yeah, I'm not gonna do anything. And then like Roseanne turns around and then he just like he turns around, he grabs his coat. Oh. Um and yeah, then he walks out the door and then the audience cheers. My pa- my pants are off. <laughs> Take me, daddy.
1: <laughs> it's a flood. It's a flood, mama. Dan says, what's going on here? Roseanne's in the kitchen with Jackie. Jackie's crying and upset. What's going on here? Roseanne says, Fisher hit Jackie. There are no other words said in the scene. All we see is Dan go to the mudroom, grab his jacket and walk out the door. In a, in a rage. I'm sweating. It, yeah. And then they come to arrest him. And he's like, "Fucking
2: put the cuffs on me.
1: Take me downtown. And I'm I'm actually married to Dan right now.
0: Dan Connor, uh, sitcom dad who can get it. Any day, anytime.
1: Any day, anytime. He is on the list. He might even be top of the list. I don't need to see any other sitcom dad. Love you, Dan. Big hearts.
0: That being said, <laughs> the... <laughs> Dan is not actually the one that fixes this problem. He has like his little, yeah, very he sexy. It makes
1: it worse, to be honest. Yeah, so
0: it's it still was. Hot. Yeah, it's a very sexy instance of toxic masculinity, <laughs> and um so he, he he acts out, but ultimately, it is Rosanna Jackie that come together and, and resolve, save, yeah,
1: save themselves. Yeah. Um. So fuck yeah. But I do want to say, this is not like a one-off, right? This is not the only episode wherein gender is like a cornerstone of the conversation that we're having. Similar to class, it is woven throughout the show. But this is also a show that deals head-on with abortion. It deals head-on with teenagers going on birth control. It's Mm also a show about women talking about the difficulties being taken seriously to get alone for their business. And all of those things show up, women being alone at night at work and being scared and Mm so again putting that voice of like a female creator up front to talk about issues directly impacting women it's all throughout the text of the original series.
0: Absolutely. So the other pillar that we wanted to talk about the other bucket sexuality. Roseanne what is the first that Roseanne gets the crown for? When you do like the first of any kind of like progressive thing you have to be so specific about (laughs) about what you're giving them the crown for Wedding! First gay wedding? That's Roseanne? Yes,
1: Leon and his boyfriend. uh, Leon, played by Martin Mull, love him. And his his husband-to-be, played by Fred Willard, also love him. This is season eight, episode 11, December Bride.
2: What is this? Wow with two grooms see Uh so we broke off the bride and then we replaced it with uh, one of the action heroes from pocahontas
1: roseanne what is all this
2: it's a gay wedding (sighs) this isn't a wedding it's a circus
1: you have somehow managed to take every gay stereotype and just roll them up into
2: one gigantic, offensive, Rosaniacal <laughs> ball of raw
1: And they beat the Friends lesbian wedding to air by just a couple of days. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Fuck you, Friends. <laughs> Fuck you. Ross
0: um, doesn't
1: deserve that moment.
0: And so Nancy is the lesbian character who was like part of the main cast, like the sort of. Well, secondary cast, I guess, because you can go like e- episodes and episodes without seeing one of Roseanne's friends. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Crystal? Yeah, very realistic, though, about like if you are in this kind of <laughs> Still, life.
1: <laughs> friendship as an adult, you will go a long time without seeing each other. Before this podcast, Zach and I would go months upon months before sending a meme to each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in like one out of five episodes in my yeah. sitcom life.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same, same. And now mm-hmm. we're we're in a spin-off baby. That's what yeah. this is. Yeah. This is a spin-off moment.
0: I rewatched the Nancy episode recently where Nancy comes out and I have to it's hard to watch.
2: I'm not looking, can we just drop it? Yeah, come on, Nancy, just cause you haven't met anybody lately doesn't mean you should just give up. Yeah, besides this friend of dance, I think he is doing really, really well, okay? Cause he just blew a ton of money on these hair plugs. <gasps> Sounds like a dream, Roseanne. I think I'll take a pass. No, you won't because I told him you're gonna call him this morning and I just know you guys are really, no. I'm already seeing someone. Oh. Well, thank God, because this bald guy's a real loser. So. Come on! Tell us about the guy. Yeah, What's come his on. Mind? Why don't you tell us? We're just gonna bug you till you know. No, it's too, too soon. Good. It's too soon. Come on! Tell us. Tell oh. us. Hey, big baby. All right. Her name is Marla. I'm seeing a woman. Oh
0: not this isn't even like a criticism of it it's just like where I am as a human being and she's just like you know like she she just says no my date next week is a girl and she's like looking down it's very clear that she wants acceptance from her friends and I'm just so past that point in my life I have a hard time watching somebody do it (laughs) like being nervous about somebody's reaction to that
1: a couple of things that I also wanted to call out when it comes to like Roseanne and sexuality. One, she fought for this. Mm-hmm. They, the executives at ABC, did not want the gay wedding episode. The executives at ABC did not want the gay characters, and there is an episode where Roseanne herself is kissed by a woman. To hang out more
2: often. I was thinking that too, but next time let's leave the wives at home. <laughs> you read my mind.
1: Huh? I will talk about that in my next point. But ABC executives did not want this. Roseanne went to bat. She laid herself and the show on the line and said, No, we will do this. She went to bat for it. She said, This is the right thing to do. This is a cause I care about. And I want to do it. Maybe there were a couple of other shows talking about gay rights at the time on television. Not a lot of them. And not a lot of them that had recurring gay characters. We are like pre Will and Grace at this moment. Or like Will and Grace was just a little baby at this moment. And so not like there's no two ways to spin this other than this is some progressive fucking shit she did. And she did it. She drove it. She pushed for it. Something she wanted. that's one thing second thing that i wanted to call out here um is there's an episode where roseanne is kissed by a woman and i think this episode is super notable because what we see is roseanne gets kissed by a woman and she's deeply uncomfortable about it and i think this is roseanne like reconciling with herself that like Although she is this liberal sort of talking or mouthpiece, I, I don't like that word, but she is sort of like this somebody like this progressive proponent reconciling like with the bigotry that still exists within herself and trying to like reconcile with the fact that like, oh, maybe I'm not as progressive as I thought because I'm fine with gay people like as a prop in the show. But like when it comes to me personally, like anybody like bringing that energy to me in a way that impacts me, I'm deeply uncomfortable. So we see her like reconciling with her own bigotry on the show. And I think that's such an interesting and a unique take to have on the television show at that time.
0: Yeah, like not only doing a gay wedding, she would have been celebrated if that was just she could always hang her hat on. That was the first, but she literally had her main character, titular character, like work through gay panic. Literally. That it, she cared about this issue is the thing. Um, l- l- just like you said, this was not like the writers making her do it or no. A PR this was, stunt
1: by the studio. No. Yeah quite the opposite
0: yeah when we're talking about like again our question is what the fuck happened to roseanne uh this is a big question you cannot say that superficially she she was doing this Uh, she had to work for it
1: i think that like there are a million other ways roseanne was a very progressive show Mm -hmm. and we could go into all of them
0: i do have one thing that i do want to add yeah, yeah. Uh, just to be fair so it is a very progressive show but it's probably worth talking about some of the shortcomings
1: oh my god um, yeah of course
0: because probably the most glaring one is that Roseanne is an extremely white show
1: she has yeah. two black friends Chuck and Marie uh, who show up from time to time
0: usually when the subject matter about the plot necessitates that they're black
1: yes yeah Which like I feel like in the first couple of seasons wasn't quite so much the case, but definitely the case as like Roseanne dropped her friends like flies Mm -hmm. (laughs) throughout the course of the series. They would just bring Chuck and Anne Marie back like as necessary.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Chuck I
1: feel like less so because he was like a staple of Dan's poker nights. That's right. Whenever Dan would have poker, Chuck was there, Mm -hmm. whether or not he had lines like minimal. But Anne Marie for sure like did not stick around all that often she would pop it in out of Roseanne's life kind of like as necessary
0: so yes Roseanne was uh, a working class show but it was like it was a white working class show which I think is probably a big piece of the puzzle as to what the fuck happened to Roseanne which we will talk about later but this is something I want to highlight for future reference totally Uh, Roseanne's sensibilities are really about the white working class and white working class totally
1: and we there is an episode one episode where like they deal with the racism of the white working class Mm -hmm. where Roseanne herself makes like incorrect assumptions about a black man trying to enter her store
2: late at night oh
1: my god another
2: customer how many people have to eat here before a word gets out about the food (laughs) hello hi
0: hi would you let me in please
2: uh, uh, we're closed.
0: Yeah, well, it says here you're open till 10.
2: Yeah, but see, we had a really busy day and we ran out of food. Huh. Phew. He's scary. Sounded like it. I did the right thing, didn't I? You said he was scary. Yeah.
0: Hey, I think I should tell you something. I'm Mr. Williams. Gina's father.
2: Oh. Well, come on in. Roseanne Connor. Why didn't you just say that you were Gina's father?
0: You need to know all your customers' names before they come into your restaurant?
2: Hey, Mr. Williams, uh, you think that you know what happened, but that wasn't what happened. No, she didn't do that because you are african-american she did that because you're a man yeah and i'm prejudiced against all men equally
0: <laughs> that's real funny mm-hmm. dj also refuses to yes <laughs> refuses to kiss a black girl in a school play yeah. but and... he marries
1: her later and the, yeah. the <laughs> reboot so guess we're not racist after all huh
0: i think it's funny that that's the thing that they decided to do to, as like a callback the one thing that the writers of season ten remembered about the original run the only thing that anyone can remember dj for is that he refused to kiss that black girl
1: so we've demonstrated that roseanne had very progressive politics in her original series we get to the 2018 reboot this is not the case my friend but there's a lot of time from when roseanne went off the air in 1998 to the reboot in
2: 2018
1: yeah and what's I kinda, going on I, and yeah. like we we've we've kind of talked about roseanne connor the character a lot but like roseanne the person we've not really touched on i'd love to hear more about that
0: yeah because you could say looking at it like if you're just pointing to the original run of roseanne uh she had writers she had producers she had the network to contend with so there's a lot of like noisy data about like what specifically roseanne thinks of course um Like, you don't put on a television show with just one person. So what is Roseanne the person like? What do we know about her? I think she is an incredibly interesting person, incredibly flawed person. But man, um, is she a Rorschach test of a human being?
1: (laughs) I mean, she is not shy of a scandal. That's for sure. She's been a tabloid magnet from jump.
0: I think probably the first... Thing to mention about like who Roseanne is as a person, like like public Roseanne. We've talked about like her bio, but like public Roseanne, um, a number of things I think define her. The first major thing that at least I want to talk about is that the, like the visceral hatred of fat people that was directed towards her. Oh my
1: her. God, it was unreal. Look, I know that our culture hates fat people, point blank, and it still does. But I feel like we've come a little bit of a way Because when I go back and I read the reviews from the original run of the television series in the first few episodes, there is not a single review that does not comment on Roseanne's size. I
0: have memories of a child of being in a grocery store and seeing the tabloid magazines like shame her in real time uh, for her weight. Like it's right up there with Kirstie Alley of they loved when Roseanne gained weight.
1: Ooh, uh, and Kirstie the public Alley.
0: had to know yeah
1: oh that you're you're bringing you're bringing stuff back deep deep in the brain
0: yeah as long as that. we're on this trauma train delta Burke also uh,
1: uh justice four justice yeah. four
0: that's the birds of prey show that we deserve
1: oh my god oh my <laughs> god
0: <laughs> we'd Can have we to pitch it we'd have to pitch it in like 2008 before Roseanne <laughs> went sour
1: <laughs> you know, it just be fictional like a bunch of fictional actresses who all get like shamed for their weight
0: we'll have to workshop it i yeah, don't know we what got, they do. there's
1: something going on here there's something <laughs> there's something we can do here put a pin in it
0: also the thing that people know that boomers definitely when they think roseanne the thing that they think of first is of course she did the national anthem bad folks
1: Big problem. Big problem.
0: This was when she was invited in order to promote her.
1: This might be your favorite scandal.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, I have read a lot of contemporary articles about about this fucking thing.
1: She grabbed her crotch and spit singing the national anthem.
0: They treated this like this was their 9-11 for so many people.
1: It was very like when the chicks... Uh, said that they like don't agree with President Bush and people flip the fuck out. It was very that.
0: Yeah, the president, uh, H.W., I think, chimed in and said that it was disgraceful. He called her a national disgrace. And in her uh, like memoirs of this time period, Roseanne does also talk about the very um, extensive anti-Semitism that she experienced in like letters and death threats because of this, uh, which I totally believe yeah. that. Yeah,
1: uh, I totally believe it
0: also like during the time that she was rising as a public figure conservative media was sort of coalescing mm-hmm. um and like taking its final form uh, of like what we're familiar with today and of course one of the main tenets of like conservative media is they have to have a woman to hate totally. <laughs> at the time yeah and so at, during Perfect the iraq war rod. yeah yeah Janine Garofalo held the mantle for uh, a good time. She's probably the best one, like holding up the team, Uh, (laughs) but
1: she's a perfect one to hate too
0: yeah I mean she literally has the liberal tattooed on her I and so she's weird. just like tattooed up like New York liberal but god Janine Garofalo is also fucking brilliant um, she's incredibly absolute intelligent absolute slay
1: like please yeah. don't nobody comment on this until she's cancelled for some reason it's a slay for me yeah,
0: please we're literally talking about one of our icons eye- <laughs> We so, can't do it.
1: It is a very classic thing to happen to us.
0: But during during the Iraq War, Janine Garofalo uh, was sort of the object of hate a lot. Uh, AOC, of course, is number one. Hillary is the evergreen one. But uh, Roseanne was pr- possibly like the proto... Um, version of this of conservative media was fascinated by her. Um, and she was more than happy having this sort of like symbiotic relationship with conservative media, where um, they love to hate her and she loved to be hated by them because it was this press thing. So she would intentionally say like outrageous things and um, like get headlines and publicity that way. And yeah, both sides got what they wanted out of it
1: yes yeah and this was pre the show but i think like really picked up post show mm-hmm. uh, when she no longer had the vehicle of her television show to like get that kind of coverage press and attention um and i think that's actually like a very notable thing to bookmark is that like post show Roseanne immediately started hustling for like how can i get back on television yes. a sap sap. Mm-hmm. she had a lot of failed projects right off the the bat And all she was trying to do was angle to get onto television again. And so like those two things I think are important to bookmark because like, I think they coalesce a lot here in that like she found a very easy route to getting on television and getting a lot of attention by being a political lightning rod. And so I think like other notable touch touch points throughout this post-show journey, um, we have Roseanne's nuts. We already hinted at it earlier in the episode. Um, but she does get a one-season reality television show about Roseanne's life on a macadamia nut farm.
2: The best nuts in the world. I know it sounds goofy, but it's true.
0: I have tried my mother's nuts. My mother's nuts are are wonderful, one of a kind. Roseanne's nuts <laughs> <laughs> coming this July only on Lifetime.
1: Perfect and...
0: television show. Let me tell you about this show, Jessica. Yeah, I was about to you're, say you're aware of
1: this show, so please. <laughs> Please espouse the the benefits of Roseanne's nuts to our loyal listeners.
0: About twenty-five percent of the actual footage, they have to blur out Roseanne's crotch because she's like in a moo moo and she's just like spread eagle on the couch. <laughs> and like about half the time she's just verbally berating her like Renfield son. <laughs> Is like the one that did not have the wherewithal to get the fuck out.
2: <laughs> the best
0: part of this. That in her front yard, she just has this like twink living in a tent that will like, st- like stoned all the time. And then like when she- she'll get in a fight with like a family member and then like he'll crawl out of his like pot den tent and just like give words of wisdom to Roseanne and then like calm her down. (laughs) Her like justification for why he's there is always, he calms me.
2: There we go. Greg. Greg is a friend of mine and he lives on the land out here, lives in a tent. I go by Gregory Michael Sipes, but really I'm just a witness of, of the divine. All I want to do is live on the land and Tap into the healing vibrations of the island. (laughs) What's happening with you? I've got to do something about feeling so angry at people all the time, Greg. Mama, you're a flower. Just perfect peace and harmony. All you got to do is connect with it. You're a flower, G. Oh, isn't that pretty? I'm in my tent real quick. I want to play you a song. Yeah. I don't want to sit in your tent.
0: Come on. (laughs) All right. You inspired this song. I got no worries. Aloha. Aloha.
2: Just hanging out with Greg is very calming because I can talk to him about deep spiritual things. He's just on that same vibe. no worries in the
0: land of Rose.
2: That's cute, Greg.
0: We got no worries here, mama. And like, <laughs> what would you give to
1: be that actor? Because this was a hired actor. What would you not give to be that hired actor? that just gets to live in a tent in Roseanne's yard for the course of that reality show.
0: The role of a lifetime. It like, was. I was so sad when I found out that it was clearly fake. <laughs> she jumped immediately from that to her Green Party run.
2: Right here, Roseanne, Sherry, Barr. Here I go, here I go, here I go, running for president. Like once That's that true. didn't work,
0: she like pivoted. For her 2012 Green Party run.
2: Now she's running for president.
0: Yeah. So doing a fake reality show uh, where I show off my badge. That's not working for me. We're going to (laughs) pivot. It was a PR move to to run for the Green Party in this way. Totally. Totally.
1: Totally a PR move. Um, But also like the Green Party, if we remember, remember gang is like left of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. So just let's go ahead and put that down on pen and paper that she publicly ran for president underneath a party left of the Democrats.
0: Oh, to be clear, she ran in like their primary or whatever. But when she was rejected, she started her own party. That was like the working class family. That's a real party. But it was it had a yeah. similar name to the Working class family party. Yeah. Peace and yeah. love party.
1: And I think this is around the time, too, where she really starts liking Twitter, mm-hmm. the artifact of her eventual demise. Yeah. Yes. But if you go and you read those tweets from, like, Roseanne up until about 2015, 2016-ish, squarely liberal.
0: And then, of course, she should, should we pick up there uh, the their reboot? Like, have we caught up on there? I think. OK, I think we're at the reboot.
1: Roseanne was scandal ridden all throughout um, her her sort of personal life. She was understood as this like liberal talking head for a long time. She starts getting involved in uh, rabbit holes on Twitter and sort of comes out the other end, 2016 ish, as a reborn conservative. Uh, She officially endorses Donald Trump president, comes out as a strong supporter for him, and her tweets start to reflect a more conservative ideology right around this period in time, Mm -hmm. which leads us to the 2018 reboot, season 10 of Roseanne.
0: An important thing to remember about this time period. So it's 2016. Everybody that works in media, everyone that works in the news, virtually everyone, even people that voted for Trump, did not think that Trump was going to win and then everyone of course or most people were shocked to find out oh shit he, he won and then this interesting thing happened in the news media there became this fascination with the white working class like we need to understand these people and why they would do this naughty thing that they did it was right the, the media climate to bring back roseanne because on everybody's mind this white working class this mythical entity that everyone has to be fascinated with so we can convince them not to destroy the country and (laughs) so Roseanne got her shot that she had been looking for for a decade at this point
1: easily a decade
0: And that's how we get the reboot. And the way that they chose to market the reboot is they really plugged in all of the marketing of the show that it was going to be this like Trump centric, like topical ass. We're tackling
1: the real issues of the white working class.
0: Like headlines were saying Jackie is going to be like pussy riot uh, resistance activist. And was going to be a pussy riot.
2: (laughs)
1: When it's way more, way more mild, she just wore the pussy hat. If you guys remember the little pink kitty cat hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened. But, the, it was not Pussy Riot, my dude. <laughs>
0: they. That's what Very I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, got so. The
1: fucking balaclava on, like, let's fucking go. <laughs> Jackie's like throwing bricks through windows and shit. Fuck Harry yes. Stone
0: is a Black <laughs> black Lives Matter-ass judge. <laughs> and Jackie is a pussy riot activist. <laughs> These
1: are the takes you only get at BWO, folks.
0: What was your reaction when you first watched it?
1: So I do remember we, we did a little texting uh, after it was announced. My first reaction, which is like, uh, this is such like a nostalgia brain. that I cannot help. This is my lizard brain. Where the nostalgia side of it is like, anytime there's a reboot, and like the theme song plays for the first time of the reboot, I get legitimately like sentimental, emotional. Like I can't believe I'm hearing it on the airways again after all these years. And I do remember feeling that, and it was almost immediately, immediately dashed because minutes in, I met, uh, I met a character I've never met before, uh, and it turns out her name is also Roseanne Connor. Yeah, um, But I don't know her. I don't know who brought her because I don't know her. And no. that was the one and only episode I watched until researching this show.
0: Yeah. I I think it was the same thing. I hated the pilot so much that in my original run, I did not watch it. Um, I came back later. I just powered through it. Because um,
1: you were assigned it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was assigned it. Um, <laughs> It's so strange.
1: I "I will read the biography, but you got to watch the fucking shit. That's
0: yeah. (laughs) I so I did. I watched all of season 10, uh, and it was so (laughs) like one night. (laughs) So, um, what's, what's up with season 10? The first thing, like you said, Roseanne is just not Roseanne. We spoke at length on another episode about how they completely retcon. Roseanne's relationship with Corporal Punishment and, like, hitting kids.
2: I'm really sorry that I hit you, DJ. I mean, I was totally wrong. I never should have done that. I, I'm so mad at myself for doing it. I want to go upstairs. No. You, you can't go upstairs till we talk this all out. Um. I know how you're feeling. And you're, I know you're feeling mad and, you know, kind of embarrassed and... Wrong. Well, that's the way that I used to feel when I got hit. Who hit you? Your grandpa hit me. A lot. What'd you do wrong? I mean, I breathed or something. <laughs> Do you hate him? Yeah, sometimes. You know, because uh, the worst thing was that you know he never ever said he was sorry for any of it. You know, I don't want you to hate me, TJ. I'm really sorry. I hit you. No matter what, I'm never going to hit you again, ever. Your generation made everything so PC. Instead of spanking them, you tell them to go over there and think about what they did wrong. You know what they're thinking? I can't believe this loser isn't spanking me.
0: Where it's such an. Yeah, it's such an important part of Roseanne's character in the original run that she is someone that is recovering from trauma, specifically the trauma that her dad put on her and Jackie because he was an abuser. Um, And then they show it, of course, in the episode where she spanks DJ and then feels terrible about it. And she does all the soul searching and like basically begs DJ to forgive her. And it's like, I'll never do that again. I am not going to continue my father's behavior. Um, And then like in season 10, she's just casually like, we need, we, we, you don't spank your kids enough. Yeah.
1: You know what? You need to do more spank. You need to go ahead with more spankings.
0: Shoves her granddaughter's head into a sink and like sprays her.
1: I can understand a person becoming more conservative as they age. This I get, right? Like maybe at one point in time, like you were for gay rights and then trans people come along and you're like, I'm scared of that and I don't like it anymore. And so you distance yourself from LGBTQ. To be very clear to everyone here, that's a shit opinion that I don't agree with. And I'm a huge supporter of trans rights. And so is Zach. But what I am saying is like, I can see how that, sort of pipeline happens. What Mm -hmm. I cannot see is how you experience significant trauma around being abused. You go through the effort of learning or unlearning that trauma and making decisions on that in your life, and then sort of changing your opinion on that later on. This doesn't jive with me, right? This is not something that is a purely abstract political opinion. This is like, direct like trauma that she is learning and unlearning and then learning again in the yeah. reboot it doesn't jive that's just pure character betrayal point blank
0: in the original run of course like we said Roseanne was very progressive on like gay rights and there definitely are tons of people that are pro gay rights but they get off the train when it comes to anyone else um, oh my god
1: hey JK <laughs>
0: yeah hey JK rolling. And so you could say that that is the reason, but it makes no sense because Roseanne also talked a lot in the original run about like gender roles and like assuring a Darlene that she can be any kind of woman that she wants to be. And like, you don't have to wear, put on makeup or do all of that.
2: What are you doing? Getting rid of all this junk. Oh, I get it. You think you got to leave this stuff behind you now. Like women have to give up baseball gloves and start wearing aprons and stuff. All I know is I'm not shaving my legs or wearing pantyhose like Becky. (laughs) You think I make Becky put on makeup and wear perfume? No. No, she does not because she's always liked that kind of stuff. That's the kind of woman she wants to be. Well, that's not the kind of woman I want to be. Well, then what are you throwing all your stuff away for? These are a girl's things, Darlene, as long as a girl uses them. You love all this stuff. That's reason enough to keep it. I'm probably gonna start throwing like a girl now anyway. <laughs> Definitely, and since you've got your period, you're gonna be throwing a lot farther. <laughs> Oh god, why me? Cuz you're lucky. Right. Move. Now you you get to be part of the whole cycle of things. You know, the moon and the water and the seasons. It's almost magical, darling. You should be really proud today cuz this is the beginning of a lot of really wonderful things in your life. Yeah, cramps. Well, I'll admit that's one of the highlights, but... <laughs> I'm talking about a part that's even better than that. Name one good thing that could come out of this whole mess. Okay, I'll name three. Okay, Jackie, DJ, and... What's that other kid's name? You know, that real kind of bratty one? What's Mom! Her name? No, it's not Mom, it's, uh what is it darlene
0: and so you think that she would be in the the perfect sort of person that would be open-minded of like her grandson wanting to be gender non-conforming i'm gonna continue to call him the grandson because i have not watched the Connors and i do not know if later he becomes non-binary
1: yeah please feel free to correct us on that we actually don't know
0: it's just so weird to me that Roseanne would need to have her handheld in that episode there's an episode where Dan and Roseanne have to sort of wrap their heads around the fact that makes no
1: sense for Dan either by the way yeah
0: her grandson has to like wants to wear a skirt to school and that sort of thing
2: (laughs) Charlie you talked to Mark about wearing that outfit to school right he's gonna get beat up sure as hell He'll be fine he wore stuff like that all the time in chicago the musical i don't get why he's wearing clothes like that to school he just likes to wear clothes like that sometimes. I've read a bunch of books about it and they all say to let him just be who he is. He gets good grades. He's happy for a Connor. And I mean, that's, that's all I really care about.
0: Yeah. These characters have the same names. They forgot who Jackie was. Yeah. This was a very hyper political show. Every episode was about some kind of topical thing. Um... And it was just not the vibe of the original run. It was an inherently political show, but it was woven into the fabric. It was seamless. It was just what the show was. Yes.
1: The difference between like craft with a message versus crap with a message. Yeah. That's what this is. Like beautifully woven stories that are meant to illustrate like the true life lived experience of the people who wrote it and who acted it on the screen. Right. And then you get to the reboot, where every single episode is ham-fistedly political. This is the trans rights episode. This is the political correctness episode. This is the Pakistani neighbors episode. All of the episodes are designed to make a very strong political message. That's their whole point. Their very episode of the week. All of this, like, texture of the show that we've talked about how they carefully crafted it early on gone out the window it's out the window and it is a hundred percent a message of the week show written by people a writer's room for the most part who have been so far removed from the lived realities of being a working class person
0: Mm -hmm. Roseanne
1: said on her own block in the early 2000s that the whole reason she did the lottery episode is because she felt her own personal life had gotten too far removed from Roseanne Connors that she could not truly connect to it and portray an authentic message. So what do you think happens when we remove her by another 15 years? It only gets worse and it only gets more severe. And I think you see that showing up in Roseanne season 10.
0: It's just so much more like the issues they're talking about are the kind of issues that rich people imagine working class people are talking about. Yes. So yeah, that is season 10 in a nutshell.
1: Now it's time to answer our titular question here. What happened to Roseanne? We've demonstrated for the gang that uh, she was a progressive voice during the original run of the series. Circa 2016, not so much. 2018 reboot. We are now like full on MAGA moment. Roseanne was killed off of the show in season 10. By the end of season 10, her character was dead. This is because Roseanne tweeted unforgivably racist bullshit on her Twitter. And so she was canceled for it right fully so. She was killed off her own show. And that's good. Um so she was canceled. She's staging her comeback. Just a couple of weeks ago with like the most bullshit stand-up special. Um, That is like the wildest unfunny hour that you could watch on television. Not even television. Fox Nation streaming. Um, So what happened?
0: Can I talk a little bit? Because I think there are a few important observations that I have about the stand-up special that came out last week.
1: I did not watch it. So Mm -hmm. lay it down for us.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I think you've probably watched a few TikToks that like gave you some headlines. Yes. Is that right? Right. So a lot of the things that people have pointed out is that it seems more of a rant than it is anything else where she is just like going on this screed about her cancellation and her ungrateful children. Um, I did watch the whole thing and uh there is definitely a lot of that but her discussion of the cancellation episode is interesting because i think it speaks so much to who roseanne is and my theories as to what's going on here because it is clear to me that she does feel bad about the about what she did and um she does feel a certain sense of humiliation that her name is associated with this. Because think about it. She only has an audience now that are willing to cross sort of like the picket line of her cancellation and go on to Fox News. And she is now like billed as like this politically incorrect conservative icon. And so she has no incentive to be in any way contrite about her incident but even in the stand up special where she is in this like very conservative audience and they are dead silent as she does it they are not giving her any kind of affirmation for it but she's like okay so i did this thing and she says that it was bad but i could have you know uh you know i could have went on these shows and and like apologized and we could have learned together i was totally willing to, to do that so her like narrative that she has written for herself is not yeah, fuck the lives. You can't handle my, my truth. She is contrite in this way. She has like made a narrative where, you know, she, she's not guilty and she had no ill intent. Yeah. But she also, it's just clear watching her. She feels bad. The narrative she has written for herself is yes, I did bad, but uh, you didn't give me a chance to fix it. And that is why I'm a victim, which is interesting. That is the narrative she has written for herself. I'm not advocating for this perspective mind you I just think that it's very interesting that that's what she wrote for herself and not just like gone full fuck you you know it was a funny joke but you couldn't handle it
1: I don't know and- that so do you think we're stepping a toe into the like the pool of sincerity
0: watching this um, it's just the sort of impression I got by watching this woman that I have watched a lot of uh, I have seen decades and decades and decades of Roseanne. I've seen her in stand up. I've seen her acting as a character. I've seen interviews. I have seen her in like a fake reality show. I've seen lots mm-hmm. of different versions of Roseanne. I just feel staring at this woman and this parasocial relationship I definitely have with her. I just feel like I, I saw she feels bad this and is she is
1: just fascinating to me yeah. because I'm going to spoil your take. Go ahead. I spoil your take. Zach's take, we'll get to our theories, but like at the end of the day, Zach, your take is, Roseanne's full of shit. Yeah. And she never truly held these conservative beliefs deeply. So it's interesting that you tell me she's sincere when she's up on that stage. If, if your take's to hold water, this is an insincere woman. Why wouldn't she just double down, triple down, quadruple down, if it's truly an act of insincerity? It seems to me you're throwing... <laughs> You're throwing out the things that she's become that you disagree with and make you sad and saying those are bullshit.
0: Let me, but the so, things
1: couched within that that you agree with are the sincere things.
0: So I, okay, so I did not get to lay out my theory All methodically. Right, you yeah, added.
1: Before we get into too much detail um, and I poke Zach too many times, um, let's lay out our theories.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you want to go first? What's your theory?
1: Um, Well, here, I'm going to put a few up on the board before coming in with my final theory. I'm going to throw the first one up on the board. Uh, This is what I call my pop psychology theory. And my pop psychology theory is that Roseanne identifies personally quite a lot with Donald Trump. So here's where I'm coming from with this. Think about all of the words that you could use to describe these people, right? Loud, tells it like it is, tabloid frequent flyer has a Twitter problem, publicly body shamed, mostly famous 30 years ago, brash, egotistical, messy public divorces. I could say all of these things about Roseanne. I could say all of these things about Donald Trump. So I think there is some level of Roseanne where she does have a personal identification with this person. My next theory, I call it the aunt on Facebook theory. So this is literally just the standard course of conservative radicalization that many boomers have experienced in the last 15 years. They get onto Facebook, the targeted ads and the algorithms get to them. They spend a lot of time on Fox news and suddenly your, you know, aunt that once upon a time at Thanksgiving dinner was pretty agnostic. Is now like trying to tell you that there's a cabal of like pedophiles who drink adrenochrome. That could be part of this as well. There's a few other things. Roseanne as a brand, right? Roseanne has always been a firebrand, right? She's always been a controversial figure. I mentioned way earlier in her bio at the top of the episode, she was taught to fight always, right? And make that be a part of who she is. In a very, very big way.
0: I think I agree. I agree with all of your points, um, and I think that probably at the end of the day, it, the answer is going to be that it's multiple factors and a lot of different totally. things. Like, totally. and we can never know. This is just like our theories about what's going on in the brain of a person that we'll never, we'll never know what's true.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget, uh, this is a person who, as I mentioned had significant frontal lobe damage while her brain was still developing.
0: I have this like parasocial relationship with Roseanne. I grew up with her and the memories I have of some of the content that she was involved in making are, I'm very fond of them, but I make no excuses for her. And I know I'm trying to mitigate um, the awfulness of the decisions she's making. So my theory, it kind of agrees with everything you're saying, but this is how I stitch it up. I think that as much as we like to think that we form our politics by... um like just listening to the to the arguments and deciding which one makes the most sense. And that like our logical brain is in the driver's seat at all times. I think for most human beings, overwhelmingly, we are forming our politics by materially what we perceive is going to benefit us. And um, what strain of politics seems friendly to who we are. I think it's a common sort of snobby thing that liberals will say of, Oh, the conservative Working class, they're they're voting against their own interests, but they perceive it as not being against Mm -hmm. their own interests. So it's very rare that a human being will step outside of that. And so, celebrities in general have very weird politics, Um, especially like actors and singers and whatnot, because they have a very weird relationship with what materially um, benefits them. Because they, of course, are rich. So low taxes, that's good for them. But because they're entertainers and sort of Hollywood has a very left culture, there is a lot of, and I'm going to sound like fucking Rush Limbaugh right now, but there is sort of like a lot of social pressure to perform liberal values in well, that class. Well, I also think class. like
1: within that world and within that sphere, yes, of course, there's, there's some social pressure there. But also, like, let's not forget that like those circles also tend to be like they or they can be very diverse in terms of like you you work in Hollywood, you're gonna interact with a lot of gay people. I'm not suggesting Hollywood is diverse in the sense of like tons of racial diversity, ethnic diversity, that sort of thing. But there is that element of it. But you are living mm-hmm. usually in a city where you are at least seeing. And interacting with people like people of color and people from different ethnic backgrounds than your own, um, even if you are in somewhat of a Hollywood bubble.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Celebrity politics are totally informed by kind of the same reason that cities tend to be more progressive on issues like that. Exactly. It's just they're exposed to it. So Roseanne was a celebrity and she was a celebrity that wanted to be in movies and wanted to be in stuff. And she also hit it really big, very, very, very quickly. She did not have the normal trajectory where she grinded for years in the clubs before getting discovered. She was jettisoned to the top. And so when, but when she was in the writer's room for Roseanne, she very recently was the thing that she was talking about. And writing about. And so she carried that with her, but her material reality and therefore her material interests changed over time, performing these politics. And her show got famous for performing these politics. So she kept doing it because her material reality, she benefits from associating with these politics that kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. She was able to get a lot of publicity being the bad person on Fox News and other conservative media. And so she kept on performing, kept on performing. And she kept on doing it all the way up to the Green Party run, uh, where that was like the That was like the peak of her attempt to do this and it failed. And at that point, she for years and years and years had been trying to get back on television and doing this shtick was no longer working for her. So it no longer benefited her. She did not see herself in any form of leftism. And so people form their politics usually by what is best for me and how could I improve my life? And suddenly she was this ignored entertainer that couldn't get on TV. And she saw an opportunity and that's how we get conservative season 10 and this new, very artificial, I feel performance of Roseanne is how much is it genuine and how much is it real? It's a hard question for anybody, isn't it? Do you feel like
1: it even matters?
0: It matters to me. It matters to a lot of people. So I think ultimately she concocted a new identity for personal gain and then she got canceled. And, and so she is just kind of like stuck on this Island where no one else will have her. And so she's doing what she can to, to benefit herself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Does it make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it was a decision of opportunity, Right.
0: Yeah, instead of rambling like I did, I think I could summarize it very well as when you are that level of wealthy and that level of privileged, politics is an intellectual exercise and it's theoretical.
1: Yeah, Um, and it's played out exactly in how like season 10 is created as a show. Yeah. Right. This is no longer the fabric and the texture of of this is the impact on our lives. It is these are like morality plays around conservative topic of the week
0: yeah
1: i overall agree with you like i think it's a mixture i think your theory is probably like 60 percent of what's happening here and then mm-hmm. like 40 percent like the Anton on facebook just like standard course of radicalization that happens with people who fall down like twitter holes or youtube holes um, Yeah. so i think that's part of it and then i would say like the last 10 percent is a mixture of this like identification with trump this like her brand like her as Roseanne and like her also just like not moving on with the rest of the world on some of these ideas because that's sometimes just what happens when you get old like I think the last 10% is just sort of a mixture of that concoction so that's kind of where I would leave it but at the end of the day like yeah Roseanne may be full of shit but like when I ask if it matters it's like yeah Roseanne's full of shit but that doesn't make her any less of a piece of shit In this regard, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I just think it's interesting. I think it's like, I would, I keep wanting to call it a Greek tragedy of just, uh, you you know, this hero that I I cared about and falls this uh, much, but a greek tragedy like how it's supposed to be is like they are a perfect hero except for one fatal flaw but like roseanne's got like 20 fatal flaws
1: yeah she's a very flawed <laughs> human and she was even back when we were like we identified her with her on the original show
0: she it's an american tragedy flaws.
1: so how do we bring this puppy home
0: i think roseanne's trajectory she made a TikTok about Roseanne where we talked about this specifically um, like how weird it was that she shifted her position on corporal punishment, like hitting kids. And a lot of people in the comments kept talking about how this is the same trajectory that my own mother or my own relatives or someone I love went through this. They just became a completely different person in their politics um, between like when I was a kid and now, and now it's just like this toxic situation and that's happening a lot there are a lot of people that are like no contact with their relatives i have some relatives that i will not speak to and part of it is that they fell through a moral chasm that i feel like i cannot engage with anymore there's this fascinating thing happening with white people right now of just like a bunch of millennials a bunch of zoomers are dealing with the fact that they're they have relatives that fell off a fucking cliff and are like, what do you do when your parent is viscerally racist and is like doing this shit. And so I think that Roseanne is just a very public example of what a lot of people are dealing with. Totally. Um. And so it's, it's painful. Yeah. And, and
1: they don't even have TV shows. They're getting out of the deal.
0: Yeah. They're just doing it for free. The suckers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you and, do want to be a conservative comedian, it does seem like a very easy way to make a paycheck.
0: Oh my god! It is so clear that that is for anyone a dark evil button that any celebrity can press at any time. Yeah, like if you, you want to wanna...
1: make a bag real quick, you can just like professionally do like critical race theory jokes.
0: Jessica, I want you to write down a number. <laughs> what? What? How many monies would it take for us to make this the podcast go dark? Oh, my God. If you pay me $40 billion.
1: Wow, $40 billion, That's pretty high, dude.
0: Yeah, it's the Mr. Deeds number. This is like in uh, my brain, like okay. the bookmark for crazy wealthy. $40 but billion. You, Okay,
1: but let me ask you this. You think if somebody pulled $100 million up to you right now, you would reject it?
0: What are the terms of this contract? You're Could doing... I recant later? No, nope, you're or
1: pressing I... the conservative button.
0: Pressing the conservative button, 100 million. I think I press it. <laughs> I know. I 100, I 100, 100. I was. Give it. Yep. Yeah, I'm a bad bargainer. I started with Mr. Deeds money and I'm all the way down to 100 million now. You said now.
1: 40 billion and I said 100 million. I probably, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I probably could get you down. I probably could get you down to 10 million.
0: I just want a Victorian house.
1: <laughs> okay. I think that's a good dollar amount. To switch sides I mean like
0: for my soul I wasn't doing anything with it <laughs>
1: Um, to be clear I don't want to do it yeah <laughs> I don't want to ever have this come up but I can't say that I would not take the hundred million dollars
0: I take that bag of money
1: we're just being too honest
0: yeah me. should we redo that and lie <laughs> it's the Mr. Deeds I would
1: number. never I would never <laughs> I have ethics there. I'll I'll just edit that.
0: (laughs) I'm open enough to say that I would crack for Mr. Deeds money. So that's how we're wrapping it up. That's it. Um, There is a price tag on on our souls. So on that happy note.
1: We'll see you next time. You guys know what to do. All the good things. Rate, review, subscribe. It really does matter to us. We look at those statistics and we'll, text each other over the slightest changes so uh it matters to us email us because it was on at gmail.com tell us if you want to hear about something otherwise uh you know to go to our tiktok we do a lot of stuff on there anyway this is a long wrap up all of which is to say goodbye thanks for joining us
0: Because it was on, because it was on, rate, review, and subscribe to, because it was on.